The Seahawks will welcome a familiar foe to Lumen Field on Sunday with the Arizona Cardinals coming to town, both teams at 2-3. and three. Who has the edge? Rob Rang and I are going to be breaking down key matchups to watch in Sunday's Week 6 battle on our Wednesday installment of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for Matchup Wednesday, our favorite episode of the week, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s out there. We greatly appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Jam-packed episode coming your way. We're going to dive into all the key matchups to watch when the Seahawks host the Cardinals in their NFC West opener on Sunday, a week six battle. Two, two and three teams desperately looking to get back to 500 and stay in a much contested NFC West race. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide, and they have a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash locked on. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. It's crazy that we're entering week six and the Seahawks will be playing just their second divisional game, their first home game within the division. The Arizona Cardinals coming to town, both the Cardinals and Seahawks coming off of tough week five losses. The Cardinals losing to the Eagles, a heartbreaker. The Seahawks falling by seven to the Saints. And with both those teams losing, Rob, Pete Carroll touched on it today. You've got three teams in the division tied with a two and three record, and the 49ers one game up at three and two. There are a few divisions where it feels like one team is starting to separate from the rest, but this one is still very tight. And even though the 49ers look like they might be the class of this division, it's still anyone's game, which puts even more importance on this matchup coming up on Sunday at Lumen Field. Yeah, it's an absolutely critical matchup for the Seahawks. I mean, as you said, Corbin, I mean, th- this division is as tight as it gets. Uh, you know, obviously the 49ers, that three and two record are right now are, are leading, uh, you know, leading the division. And of course they have a victory over the Seahawks, but at the same time, they're only three and two. We are only in entering week six and the 49ers as a team that was playing in the NFC championship a year ago, obviously the Super Bowl defending champion, Los Angeles Rams, they've got a very difficult schedule as well. I, I think for the, the fact that the Seahawks, Seahawks entered this offseason, uh, you know, with all these talk, all this talk that they were going to be competing to have, you know, be one of the worst teams in all of the NFL for them to be right in the middle of things, uh, I think is, uh, again, a testament to what Pete Carroll and John Schneider have done to Geno Smith's brilliant play at the quarterback position. And so let's go. I mean, this is an exciting time. And if the Seahawks can rattle off a couple of victories in the, these divisional opponents up on, on this early slate, then they really can jump out in front of this and make this a special year. And I'm just saying this from watching all four teams in this division. I've gotten to watch at least half a game, if not a full game, for every single one of these teams. I've watched three full games for the 49ers. They've been on primetime a couple times. The 49ers right now do look like the class in this division, but they are beatable. That is still a beatable football team that I have question marks about with Jimmy Garoppolo as the quarterback. He's good enough to win a lot of games, 
but I don't think he's we, he's proven this time and time again. He's not a guy that's going to elevate his team. Seattle, it boils down to can you get your defense figured out? The offense has proven that it's a prolific unit. Losing Rashad Penny's going to hurt, but Ken Walker the third still there. They've got all those weapons for Geno. It feels like that offense is at least going to be solid. They need to get the defense caught up. The Rams, they can't protect Matthew Stafford. That is a huge problem for them. They've got some injury issues on defense. They haven't been able to get any of their secondary receivers behind Cooper Cup going. Uh, Robinson has not been the pickup that I thought it was going to be so far. And then the Cardinals and the Seahawks are playing this weekend. They can't score in the first quarter of games. They have been perpetually absent in the beginning of games on offense. Like they just don't show up. And then they are one of the best offenses in the league in the second half of games, but it hasn't been enough in several of the games to be able to come back and win. So that's why they are two and three. So this is very much a flawed division at this point. Every single one of these teams is beatable. That includes the defending champs. They look a lot more human than they did last year with some of the losses. Andrew Whitworth not being back and the injuries they've had on that offensive line is a big deal. So this is a very wide-open division. I don't think this is a case of, oh, a few teams have just lost close games, and that's why it's muddied up. I don't think that you have an elite team in this group, and it really sums up most of the NFC. This is the weakest conference easily. The AFC is where all the juggernauts are at, which is why you look at Seattle from two different points of view. One, you would love to have those games against Atlanta and New Orleans. They could be 4-1 and one right now. You're sitting in first place, and you're feeling pretty good in the NFC. At the same time, they've got plenty of games coming up against teams that haven't played very well. they got a chance to rack up some of those wins, and this might be a division that we didn't think this was going to be the case, but 10 or 11 wins might get it done in this division the way things have started. It just doesn't look like it's as strong a division as what it has been in recent years. Yeah, it, it does not look like it, it's going to be quite as strong. And I think that is, again, a testament to the, in, the entire division and how competitive that it is. Uh, I just don't think that the 49ers or the Rams are quite as good as what, uh, you know, maybe some of the early prognosticators were expecting. And I don't think that the Seahawks uh, and, and the Cardinals, for that matter, are quite as bad as what some might be thinking. And, and for those of you watching on YouTube, you can see the different uh, schedules that are lining up for the Seahawks, the the Cardinals, the Rams, and the 49ers. I, you know, to me, I, I obviously starting off with the Hawks here, you know, you look at this, this matchup against the, the Cardinals, and then you are going to be on the road against the Los Angeles Chargers. And that was a team that a lot of people were banding about as a possible Super Bowl team, but they have struggled themselves. The Giants, as crazy as it sounds, the Giants might be the most difficult matchup uh, of the Seahawks next five games certainly at Tampa Bay looks formidable on paper but when you watch Tampa Bay it, it's kind of like what you're seeing with the Los Angeles Rams some really big names not a lot of victories for that club right now and, and so I, I think that this is going to be a critical turn right here if Seattle is able to play good football against the Cardinals obviously not only playing this week but in a couple of weeks going to Phoenix then that's worth it or I guess it's Glendale um, that that's where things are going to get a little bit interesting if Seattle is able to get hot right here they really could make this a special year and that's what I'm kind of excited about because I do think that the 49ers are probably at this point the class of the division it just feels like their defense is a little bit better than everybody else. And Garoppolo, say what you will, he does get the job done. And we've talked before about what Mike Shannon is able to do at that running back position. It doesn't even really matter who they've got there. They are productive. At the same time, this is not a runaway division the way it's been in the past. So, again, if Seattle comes out punching, then I think that they have a chance to be standing up there at the, at the 10 count. 
Yeah, and they're going to be looking for some help from other teams, too, to try to keep this close because the 49ers, I mean, the Seahawks will tell you Atlanta is not a pushover right now. So that is going to be maybe a tougher game than San Francisco might have anticipated when they got the schedules back in May. Uh, Atlanta's going to give them a fight. They fought the Rams. They beat the Seahawks. I mean, this is a team that's kind of feisty out in Atlanta, and they've got some players that are hungry to prove themselves. So the games are lining up. There's some pretty tough contests for all four of these teams within the division. The Buccaneers are on a couple of those schedules coming up for both of the teams. You've got the, the games beating up on each other with the Rams and 49ers facing each other, the Cardinals, Seahawks playing twice in four weeks. So, uh, yeah, the party is just getting started, and this is a huge game coming up for the Seahawks. At home, they need to get back in the win column. You don't want to fall to one and two at Lumen Field to open the season. That would not be a good start. But it's also a Cardinals team that's pretty desperate at two and three. They're trying to get back in the mix and start playing some of their best football. We're going to get to some matchups coming up here next on our matchup Wednesday edition. Locked on Seahawks. Seahawks on offense going up against the Cardinals defense. We'll be looking at that here in a moment. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Life can be full of challenges. Recently, our family has undergone significant strife with family members dealing with major health issues. And it's been a struggle for me coping with it mentally. Life can be full of twists and turns, so it's important to show yourself through it all. And BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. Therapy worked wonders for me, but don't just take my word for it. Having someone in your corner to guide you when you're struggling to navigate obstacles can be invaluable. This is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. With therapy, it can take a few tries to find the right fit for you. BetterHelp is a great way to invest in yourself, and BetterHelp has a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash on. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com slash locked on. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbett Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. As always, we greatly appreciate it. Make sure to check out NFL Key Predictions. It's coming up on Friday on Locked On NFL. Locked On's local experts give you the inside scoop on the five biggest games of the NFL weekend, including Sunday and Monday Night Football, plus betting advice from the field's leading experts at Bet Online. Follow NFL Key Predictions every Friday on Locked On NFL, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Rob, matchup Wednesday, our favorite episode of the week. And usually when we're talking about rivals, it can get kind of repetitive, especially when teams don't have as much turnover. Seattle's had players like Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner on the roster for a decade. The Cardinals have had some constants like Chandler Jones. There were some big changes for both of these teams. And Really, both teams have played a little different than I think anybody could have anticipated. The Cardinals were supposed to be an offensive juggernaut. They have not been that in the first five games. Very inconsistent, particularly at the beginning of games, struggling to score points. The Seahawks, on the other hand, the defense was maybe supposed to be their strength, and instead it's Geno Smith out there cooking and his receivers and tight ends putting up big numbers. So this is going to feel a little different maybe than we've had in the past in terms of looking at matchups to really – identify for this game that are going to decide who wins compared to past matchups between these bitter rivals. Yeah. And I love the way you just set me up there, Corbin, I mean, because it, it has so often been, you know, players that we have talked about over and over again. And yet the very first matchup, I think that we got to focus in on from a Seahawks offense 
versus the Cardinals defense is going to be the rookie, Ken Walker III, obviously, with Rashad Penny going down to that uh, injury. Uh, you know, Ken Walker and perhaps DJ Dallas as well are, are going to get some opportunities here against a, a, a solid run defense for the Arizona Cardinals, but I think that one that the Seahawks can take advantage of. And so, you know, again, we, we know that it is critical that Seattle is going to have to pass the ball. They're going to have to be productive in that regard. But we also know the way that Pete Carroll wants to run his team. And I don't think it's going to change any with Ken Walker III being the primary ball carrier rather than with Shad Penny. You've got to be able to run the ball to set up the pass. That has been his MO going all the way back to USC and you know his previous NFL stops and with the New York Jets and the New England Patriots. And so run the football. Ken Walker showed what he can do. He showed his instincts. He showed his burst. He's shown his balance through contact. Some of the critical things I think that you need to have at the running back position. And I, I really really like the athletic ability of the Cardinals linebackers. I don't know that they are the toughest, most instinctive linebackers out there. So this feels like a, a, a spot that Seattle could get some production and, and might be able to win the time of possession battle. And that has been something that has been able to send the Cardinals flying back home with losses. This is going to be a tough game to be able to run to the perimeter because of the speed that Isaiah Simmons has and Zayvon Collins and some of the outside linebackers that the Cardinals have. They have plenty of speed at those positions. But you mentioned the physicality, and I just don't consistently see that from these two first-rounders. And this feels like a game where Ken Walker III, I think that there is a misconception from a lot of fans. They see his build, that he is a shorter back, not a big body back necessarily, and they look at him and they think he's just a speed back for the most part, or he's just he he makes guys miss more than breaks tackles. This guy breaks a lot of tackles. He led the nation last year, I believe, at Michigan State. I mean, this guy racks up yardage after contact, and we haven't gotten a lot of opportunities to see that because he's been second fiddle to Rashad Penny. He missed a game at the beginning of the season, but now this is his job, and I'm really intrigued to see more runs from him between the tackles. I think with inside zones and some mid zones you can have some real success against this Cardinals defense that's giving up 4.3 yards per carry. Not bad, but not great. They're middle of the pack. Teams have had so much success throwing the ball against them this year, particularly from an accuracy perspective, that I don't think teams have been running the ball as much. Seattle, though, I think is going to look at this team like we have the personnel to be able to take advantage of the fact that this is not a front seven that is overly physical, at least with the linebackers. You get some guys in the interior that could be a bit of a problem. That J.J. Watt guy is still pretty darn good, but – They've got the matchups there that I think that you can run the football with these running backs, get them to the second level. I think they can have some success breaking some tackles and running with physicality. You're going to see that from both Walker and DJ Dallas and maybe Jones, their new running back from the Saints. He's a big body back that can knock tacklers off too. And, and like Pete Carroll said today, he's got to be ready to play. They're going to need him to be ready to go with the injuries they've had at that position. Now, this is where this is going to be a big shift from previous installments of Matchup Wednesday when these two teams have gotten together. I I think if we go back and look the last two or three years, Rob, every episode between these two teams leading up to it, we've always had DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett going up against Byron Murphy or whoever else is in the secondary at the cornerback position. And you could still talk about that matchup. Metcalf and Lockett have both had success against the Arizona Cardinals. But where the Cardinals have really struggled this year 
they are giving up more receptions and more receiving yardage to tight ends than any team in the NFL. It has been a disaster for them. They have actually been worse than the Seahawks at defending tight ends this year, which that's saying something. We saw what TJ Hawkinson did to them a few weeks ago. This is a defense that's really struggled. They gave up a touchdown to Troutman last week. The Cardinals have been worse. And so you look at the Seahawks tight ends. They might not have a superstar in that group, but they got three very good ones that all have unique skill sets. This is one of those games. We talk a lot about setting up the pass with the run. I think you set up the deep ball to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett with passing the ball to your tight ends in the short to intermediate game. And I think they can have a lot of success. Noah Fant might be able to stretch the field against this team too. They've got good safeties, but like there have been issues all season defending tight ends whether it's linebacker or safeties on him, Geno Smith's got to be licking his lips a little bit because we know how much he has prioritized targeting tight ends compared to his predecessor, Russell Wilson. He uses tight ends a lot more. This is an opponent that he should have a ton of success getting the ball to all three of those guys. And that sets up those bigger plays to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. No, it, it really does. I mean, it took some of the words right out of my mouth there, Corbin. In, in yesterday's show, I, I used that kind of silly golf analogy of, uh, you know, drive for show, putt for dough. And what I mean by that is I wanted to see Seattle, especially in the second half of this last weekend's loss to the New Orleans Saints, to be able to kind of drive their way down the field, take some of those slower passes rather than going over the top. I mean, hey, everybody loves quick touchdowns except defensive players who need a little bit of a break, a little bit of a catch your breath. So I would love to see Seattle take advantage of the fact that the Arizona Cardinals, while they do have some dynamic talent at the safety position in Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson, a couple of you know in-state players here, at the same time, they have been victimized by tight ends so far this year. And, and you're absolutely right. With Noah Fant, Will Disley, Kobe Parkinson, Seattle really does have that Baskin Robbins type of pick your flavor, pick your moment type of a, of a setup that they really should be able to take advantage of that, work their way down the field. You want to keep the ball out of Kyler Murray's hands because the man is absolutely dynamic. And I think that Seattle is really set up very nicely to be able to do so. And you mentioned before how much we focused in on Seattle's wide receivers against Arizona's cornerbacks. I mean, I, I've been among those who basically said, my goodness, uh, you know, DK Metcalf, arguably the most physically gifted wide receiver in all of the NFL, lining up against longtime Arizona Cardinals cornerback Patrick Peterson, arguably the most physically gifted cornerback in all of the NFL for at least a long, long time. I mean, that was get your popcorn ready kind of stuff. But at the same time, I think if you want to beat the Cardinals, then I think that they really need to focus in at that tight end position. I think it's going to really help your running game. I think it's going to really help that deep ball passing that Geno Smith has shown that he is every bit as accurate and as productive as Russell Wilson was previously. And again, I think that it's critical for Seahawks to be able to have some of these slower drives, time-consuming drives, and then allow those tight ends to eat because that really is a special element of Seattle's offense. And I would argue probably the most impressive, most consistent part of their offense so far this year. You just got to feed them the ball a little bit, certainly more than they did that we could go against New Orleans. Yeah, and that's going to lead the shift here to the offensive line. And this is another big change because the last four, five, six years, Russell Wilson under center, it's always about can we keep Chandler Jones off him? And 95% of the time, the Seahawks absolutely failed at doing that. 
Well, Chandler Jones is now in Las Vegas with the one and four Raiders. I still can't believe I'm saying that because I actually thought they were a dark horse Super Bowl team and they have lost four of their first five. But I digress. Chandler Jones is playing for them. He's no longer in Arizona. They have Marcus Gold, but like this team just does not have the fearsome edge rushers that they have had in the past. They only have six sacks as a team through five games. Not a lot of success rushing the passer, but they do have two guys in the interior. J.J. Watt is not what he was five or six years ago. He is still a very capable player, though, that can be a game wrecker, particularly when it comes to squeezing the pocket as a pass rusher and creating fumbles and getting his hands hands up, knocking down passes. And they got Zach Allen, who's really come into his own in his third season. He's already got five batted passes at the line of scrimmage. He's got two sacks, eight quarterback hits, and he's a player Pete Carroll was talking about today. They're going to have to get four hands on. What he means by that is we're going to have two blockers get their hands on him regularly because he has been that disruptive. He has been the most disruptive force in the Cardinals line, not J.J. Watt. So can your interior offensive line, Damian Lewis, I did not think played great in New Orleans. Gabe Jackson played really well. That was the best game he's had all year, but then he gets hurt midway through. We don't know if he's going to be available. Phil Haynes looked fine. He can start and do a decent job. But can your interior line handle J.J. Watt and Zach Allen, because if you can't win in the interior and they're able to create pressure on Geno Smith that way and they're able to disrupt the run game, it's hard to get your offense going at all when you're getting beat inside out like that. So I think the interior offensive line, this is a game that they absolutely need to step up regardless of who's starting. If Phil Haynes out there, play play ball. He had a really good game against these guys in week 18 last year. Can you do it again in this game? This is certainly a strength for the Cardinals, their interior defensive line. Can you find a way to hold your own in the interior and block for Geno Smith, open up the run game? So I'm going to be watching that more closely than the tackles on the outside, even if Marcus Golden could be a problem for those two rookies. I think the interior defensive line is what the Seahawks have to be most concerned about going into this game. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you know, Golden has been very good. Uh, Gardick, the other outside linebacker for the Cardinals, has also been a pretty solid player so far this year. But again, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, it feels like we're burying the lead uh, when we're talking about J.J. Watt in the third matchup here because you still got to slow down J.J. Watt. And Zach Allen has been terrific. Uh, for the Cardinals. And he was a player I was really high. And I gave him a first-round grade coming out of Boston College a couple of years ago. Uh, I'm surprised that he has not played better to this point, but it feels like he is very much kind of figuring his game out. Um, he is not a speed rusher. He is more built like a J.J. Watt. I mean, he's 6'5", 285 pounds, but he is physical. He's instinctive. As you mentioned, the five passes broken up the last scrimmage. He's getting his hands up. And that has not been an issue for Geno Smith to this point. But while we kind of talked about how Arizona's linebackers are athletic, they're instinctive, but they're not necessarily physical. One of the things that both Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons do have is very good ball skills for inside linebackers. And that's one of the concerns I have, similar to how Seattle basically screwed up and, and gave away a possession, gave away a score with a special teams gaffe a week ago. You worry that Seattle might, uh, you know, throw a ball that gets tipped at the line of scrimmage, gets an easy interception for the Cardinals, whether it be a return, whether it be Arizona getting the ball and scoring position. That, to me, is one of the things that can absolutely turn around this game. So it's not just the pass rush. As you said, the Cardinals only have six sacks so far this season. So that's not something that really stands out. But at the same time, their front has been effective. And then you know that I gushed about a guy named Lecky Foto, uh, as well as uh, the other defensive tackle 
tackle Rashad Lawrence, big physical guy from LSU. Uh, you know, those are the kind of guys that when you have an undersized center that you worry about when you have a, a perhaps a new starting guard and Phil Haynes, obviously he's played plenty of football, but still that rotation inside is a little bit of a concern. So I think that Seattle has to run the football. They have to get their tight ends involved. Otherwise, this could be a difficult matchup against the Cardinals team that doesn't look that formidable on paper. But I think that their Jimmys and Joes are better than they look on on the better than they look on the stat sheet. Yeah, they've been one of those teams that the roster talent has not matched up with the production on the field so far. And so those kind of teams always concern you because you're like, is this the week that they wake up? And so that is something to consider going into this. At the same time, Seattle has made some miscues of their own that have cost them some games. They're playing better than expected. They're playing with house money with Geno Smith, maybe. So uh, this is going to be a very fascinating matchup all the way around. And we're going to flip gears now, looking at the Arizona Cardinals on offense going up against a beleaguered Seahawks defense, trying to find some traction, another really rough game in New Orleans last week. We'll take a look at three matchups to watch on that side of the football coming up next year on our Matchup Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information. With live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, whether it's baseball, MMA, boxing, or golf, make sure to head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. You're listening to the Matchup Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This is Corbin Smith, and with me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And for your second listen, make sure to check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. NFL scout Matt Williamson and Brian Peacock give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Continuing matchup Wednesday, we just looked at the Seahawks on offense. Three matchups to watch against the Cardinals defense. Now let's switch gears. Arizona on offense, tons of talent, even without DeAndre Hopkins. That's obviously a huge loss for them. This will be the final game of his suspension. He will be back next week. The Seahawks will have to deal with him in the rematch coming up in a few weeks, but he will not play in this football game. Looking at the Cardinals on offense, it feels like this is one of those teams. We just talked about all the differences for Seattle on offense going up against Cardinals defense. You still got to worry about Kyler Murray, first and foremost, his mobility, the ability to get outside the pocket and create with his arm and his legs. And really, that's going up against the entire defense, including your linebackers, which may be in spy duty, maybe your safety, Ryan Neal in spy duty, whoever's playing that role. Your whole defense, you got to contain this guy and find a way to try to crash the pocket a little bit on him. They've had success when they've been able to do that, but it's easier said than done against a player as talented as Kyler Murray. Yeah, especially considering how much Seattle struggled against the the Wildcat formation and the the New Orleans Saints and Taysom Hill. I mean, I I hate to even say that name. I mean, it should just uh, you know kind of induce some you know physical discomfort for Seahawks fans even mentioning Taysom Hill's name at this point. And Kyler Murray obviously is that much faster, that much more dynamic, that much more elusive. So it is critical. That, that Seattle's edge rushers do not overrush, do not create easy rushing lanes for Kyler Murray to take two steps up and then just be able to kind of skirt away. I mean, he is basically like the road runner and all those old Warner Brother commercial or cartoons with the 
way that he was able just to kind of, you know, scoot his way around the field. And considering the fact that we've talked about this before, Seattle's linebackers and their safeties, frankly, have, have missed some tackles. And so when you got a guy as dynamic as Kyler Murray, I mean, you can do everything else perfectly and still lose this football game just because Kyler Murray is out there doing crazy things the way that, again, the aforementioned Taysom Hill was able to do. So I think, again, that's very important, whether it be Boye Mafe, whether it be Achena Nuosu, whether it be Bruce Irvin, whoever uh, is playing on the edge rusher roles, that outside linebacker roles, get upfield, try, but at the same time, try to corral Kyler Murray, try to get him to step up into the pocket. And then it's going to be important for Seattle's defensive tackles, whoever they may be in this game. Perhaps this is the game that Puna Ford gets off the schneid right now. Uh, Shelby Harris gets off that schneid and is able to kind of create some tackles. You don't need sacks. You just need tackles around the line of scrimmage. And so that, to me, is the single biggest matchup here. And there's so many other things that we got to talk about with this dynamic Arizona Cardinals offense. But if you can't slow down Kyler Murray's feet, then there's no chance you're going to be able to slow down his arm. I'm just looking back at that game that they played in Arizona in week 18 last year and how good of a job the Seahawks did of keeping Kyler Murray in the pocket and making him a pocket passer where he wasn't getting outside and creating with his legs or creating as a scrambler and throwing the ball downfield. Those opportunities just weren't there very much. And the Cardinals still scored quite a few points, but the Seahawks were able to get enough stops, create enough turnovers in that game that they were able to hold off the Cardinals, who had a much better record, and they were the better football team. But the Seahawks were the better team on that day. So maybe Pete Carroll is going to be able to dust off that game plan a little bit and try to figure out how can we replicate this and make sure that we keep him corralled. Again, that's much easier said than done. The matchup that is both exciting and the matchup that is both exciting and concerning to me at the same time is the players that are going to be catching the passes from Kyler Murray, particularly on the outside. And one of the big additions that they had this offseason, they reunited Hollywood Brown with Kyler Murray. And these two played at Oklahoma, obviously know each other really well. And Kyler Murray has been force feeding the ball to him, but there's still the numbers are through the roof. He's playing at a borderline all pro level, and he is one of the fastest receivers in the league. And oh, by the way, you also got to deal with Rondale Moore out of the slot, another super speedy guy that can create after the catch, breaks tackles, extremely strong for his size. You got a veteran at AJ Green. The Cardinals still have plenty of weapons without DeAndre Hopkins and the speed that they're bringing to the table with Rondale Moore as well as Hollywood Brown. That's going to be an issue for Mike Jackson or whoever starts at the other cornerback spot. Maybe Artie Burns would start in this game. And Tariq Woolen, elite speed, but these are as fast receivers as he's going to be going up against. And Rondale Moore against Kobe uh, Bryant, that one has a chance to be a potential problem for the Seahawks because Kobe Bryant athletically does not match up favorably against Rondale Moore. He does not. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's a spooky, spooky matchup. Um, because, of course, one of the easiest ways to absolutely silent, uh, silence a crowd is a big play over the top. Um, and Marquise Brown can absolutely fly. He, he's a 4-2 guy himself, and there's a lot of Seahawks fans out there who just say, well, then just slide Tariq Woolen over to play him. Well, Tariq Woolen has primarily played on the right side, um, and Marquise Brown has primarily played on the right side of the offensive formation as well, so they are not likely to be matched up very often. It is expected at least, or at least I expect it to be Tariq Woolen mainly lined up against A.J. Green, which is a big deal because A.J. Green is 6'4", and 
and can jump out of the roof still, even at his age, and also can still run. So it's important for Tariq Woolen to be able to handle his responsibilities. But you're right, it's likely to be Mike Jackson. It's likely to be, uh, you know, perhaps Artie Burns or Sidney Jones, whoever it might be, none of them can run stride for stride with Marquise Brown. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the Cardinals are going to be able to have that type of success. Kyler Murray has been up and down in terms of his accuracy on the deep ball. Quandre Diggs remains one of the NFL's best at defending deep balls at the free safety position. But at the same time, if you do have uh, Quandre Diggs kind of cheating over to help whoever is playing cornerback against the speedster Marquise Brown, again, that leaves that much more opportunities for tight ends, for Kyler Murray to be doing his scrambles and things like that. It just puts the Seahawks in a difficult position so it's marquise brown to me is the one that you have to worry about because there is no doubt about it kyler murray is looking to marquise brown he is basically just you know almost at times relying on brown to be the guy and, and i think that is kind of hamstrung the cardinals offense a little bit i i think that they need to get rondale more involved that much more uh, for lack of a better word at this point, uh, because he is a dynamic athlete, as you said, not only speed, but powerful as well. I really have been encouraged by what I've seen from Kobe Bryant, the slot position uh, or that nickel position covering the slot. At the same time, he just does not have the speed to be able to run with more. So that's going to be an interesting matchup as well. So again, those receivers are dynamic, but I think that we're burying the lead again here a little bit. The tight end spot, considering how much Seattle has struggled and considering how much Zach Ertz has hurt the Seahawks in the past. That's got to be one that that we got to talk about a little bit as well. Yeah, that first game these two teams played against each other at Lumen Field last year, Zach Ertz didn't get to 100 receiving yards, which shocked me because I thought he had like 300 in the game. The, the Seahawks could not stop him. He scored two touchdowns in that game. And he really transformed their passing game for the better part of a two-month span. I mean, they were getting the football to him a lot. And even though the offense as a whole didn't play well going into the postseason, Zach Ertz was a really nice addition for them. And they brought him back this season. And he has been a guy, you go back to his time at Philadelphia, he had several big games against the Seahawks. They just had their consistent issues with tight ends anyway. But even at his advancing age, not exactly a young buck anymore at the tight end position, he still runs well, has very reliable hands. He's a good route runner, understands where to find soft zones in the defense. He has given Seattle fits, and their their issues with tight ends this year, again, have been really poor. They've not been able to stop quality tight ends. Hawkinson, obviously, is a great one in Detroit, but Zach Hurts is a proven tight end that's been an all-pro. He's been a pro bowler several times, and he is a problem in this offense. So worry about him in this game. That is a matchup that the Seahawks, when you're looking at their linebackers and safeties, there's been so many coverage mishaps. Last week, they let Troutman just run down the seam and Taysom Hill hit him. So they've got to figure out how to clean up things in that regard. Or Zach Ertz could go for over 100 in this game, and maybe that's what it takes for the Cardinals offense to wake up early in the game. If that happens, the Seahawks will be in trouble. They absolutely will. I mean, they'll be calling betterhelp.com themselves. I mean, if they are unable to slow down this, this Cardinals offense, because you, you mentioned it before, Corbin. I mean, this is a team in the Cardinals that they have some talent. 
Um, you know, and they're gonna only gonna get that much better when they get a fully healthy James Conner back, when they get Nuke Hopkins back. So you have to win this game. You lose this game, and then you go on the road to Arizona a couple of weeks from now when they are presumably that much healthier, that much more dangerous. It just sets up for an ugly Seahawks season. So that's why I think that this is kind of one of those all-in put up or shut up type of games. The Seahawks have had a great deal of success in these type of games. I know it's not prime time in terms of television coverage and things of that nature, but it is still a big game that the Seahawks need to win. Yeah, this really does have some must-win vibes to it if you're thinking playoffs. Not that you could be 2-4 and four and not make the playoffs in this division because you've got three teams under 500 right now, and so that keeps you very much in it. But 3-3 three and three in this case sounds a heck of a lot better than 2-4, and four. and both teams are thinking that. The Cardinals certainly don't want to be 2-4 and four after the way last season ended. There has been a hangover this season, all the drama they had in the offseason. But still think this is going to be a very exciting matchup coming up because – there's always weird stuff that happens when the Cardinals and the Seahawks play, particularly at Lohan Field. So we'll see what bizarre things happen on Sunday. Going to have a better chance to continue looking at that matchup tomorrow on our Crossover Thursday special. I'll be joining Alex Clancy of Locked On Cardinals to continue breaking down this NFC West home opener for the Seahawks against a Cardinals squad that has a little bit of desperation going into this contest after a rough Unexpected two and three start as always. You can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Check out Locked On Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. We'll have that crossover Thursday special coming your way tomorrow, looking at some predictions, key storylines, diving further into some matchups to watch in this upcoming game. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.